The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County, are you ready? It's time. For the greatest damn radio show in all of Orange County. What's it called? The OC Show. Right here, right now. On KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. With Cameron Jackson as your host. And while the sun shines bright in Orange County 354 days of the year. There was a bit of a dark cloud over Santa Ana. While the Republican Party, closely aligned with Joseph Goebbels and Adolf Hitler, giving high fives, slapping each other on the back, saying they won one for the Gipper today. With the acquittal of Mike Corona on five of the six counts, Michael Schroeder has got a smile looking up at God and he too as well as Corona are both saying it was a miracle Welcome to the OC Show. I am Cameron Jackson. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, the greatest radio station in all of Orange County. And you are listening to the greatest radio show in all of Orange County as well. Well, big day for old Mike Corona. Yes, he was found not guilty on five of the six counts. However, though, for all of you in despair out there, have no fears. He is still a convicted felon, and everybody knows what he is all about now. So all is not lost. We will get back to that later on in the show. Let's get some of the house cleaning out of the way as normal. If you are in your car and you want to continue listening, because you will want to keep listening, uh, OC Weekly's R. Scott Moxley will be calling in to the show in a few minutes. So uh, have no fear. The show is uh, going to continue on its path of greatness with R. Scott Moxley here later on in the show. Uh, but if you are in your car now and you want to continue listening, uh, you can go to KUCI.org, click in the upper right-hand corner, uh, and get streaming audio. Uh, so uh, you can continue listening at home, in your office, wherever you might be. Also, if you want to go to my website, you can do so at any time. Go to theocshow.net. You can send me an email during the show if you would like, theocshow.net. Uh, excuse me, Cameron at theocshow.net. That would be my email address, Cameron at theocshow.net. 
Uh, I can get those on my handy little BlackBerry here while you are listening in if you have any questions, especially when uh, we get our Scott Moxley on the radio show. So if you are living under a rock and you have not been following any news today, it has been all over the place. Mike Corona was found not guilty on five of the six counts. He was found not guilty on the conspiracy count, which was the big one, and he was found, though, guilty on uh, tampering with a witness. So, uh, what does this all mean now for us here in Orange County? What does it mean for Mike Corona? Well, the big thing now is that all of you people out there who are bummed out that he was not convicted on all counts, or at least on the conspiracy count, he is a convicted felon. We have now a convicted felon in our midst, which means a lot of things. One, he can't have a gun. He cannot vote. He can't run for public office. Uh, While I think his cronies in the Republican Party, especially the person who paid for his million-dollar defense, whoever that might be, I don't believe for a moment that uh, Jones Day did it for free, uh, I'm sure they will uh, offer up, pony up some kind of a job for him. I don't know why he needs a job. He gets $200,000-plus a year off of his retirement. So uh, why he needs a job, I don't know. He just he needs some walking around cash because Heidel's not giving him the thousand bucks anymore. So he, he uh, a month. Um, the jury, if you listen um, on uh, other radio stations or whatnot, they have their reasons for why they did what they did. To me, though, uh, it, I'm perplexed. Uh, I'm absolutely perplexed as to why they did what they did. Um, and for this very reason. If you are going to find him guilty of tampering with a witness, then he must be guilty of the conspiracy, because why else would he be tampering with a witness unless he was guilty of what they were charging him with? And what was beautiful today, even Mike Corona could not believe what they had done for him today. Sobbing. He was sobbing. He said, quote, what you are watching is an absolute miracle. He said this as he was hugging his friends and family members. If you don't believe in God, now you should. Even he was amazed by what they had to say. Even he could not believe that they acquitted him on that because he knew he was guilty. He knew that the feds had done their jobs in getting him prosecuted. Even he couldn't believe it. What does that tell you? And of course, of course, he has to evoke the image of God again because he's a just a, a good Christian man, which was totally blown out of the water in the in the trial. In the trial, they talked about all the different women he was having sex with, how he, from his own words, how he got to lay so many different women. So he uh, has been exposed for what he really is, and uh, thankfully, thankfully. Uh, he was convicted at least on one count. So now, uh, Sagel, Brett Sagel, who is the prosecutor on this case, the U.S. Uh, district attorney or the U.S. attorney on this case, has uh, asked the judge to make sure that Corona has to give up his firearms. He can't go to any bus stations. I don't know who the hell goes to bus stations anymore, but he can't go into uh, any airports. He cannot even leave this district, uh, which is the central district of um, uh, California. So. Uh, he cannot leave the area. So uh, Mike Corona, of course, giving himself high five, slapping everybody on the back. I'm sure Michael Schroeder is just smiling as broadly as possible. Uh, yesterday he was out sitting in front of uh, the courthouse eating lunch with a, uh, an appellate court judge, showing himself off, showing everybody out there that uh, he's not being brought down by the Corona trial and that he's going to be um, uh, 
Uh, I don't know what the hell he's going to do. He's, uh, uh, I consider this one another lo- loss for Mike Schroeder. Uh, he stood behind this clown uh, for many, many years, eight, nine years, and uh, basically it's, it's tarred the Republican Party once again. Uh, so uh, he was convicted. Don't ever let them say different. They are going to, I am sure, I am sure that the Republican Party is going to spin this somehow. They are going to try and deflect from the one uh, guilty charge. They're going to say that the majority was not guilty. Uh, therefore, he's really, he's really not guilty. We're, we're going to spin this some way to make it positive for all of us. Uh, and I don't buy it. And hopefully none of you out there buy it as well. It's uh, completely completely propaganda if they try to spend it that way, which I expect them to. But let's go over what some of the jurors had to say. Uh, and it boggles my mind what some of these juries jurors had to say. Uh, this is from the Orange County Register. Uh, the panel of 11 men and one woman deliberated for about 32 hours. Uh, After getting the case last Thursday, their deliberations included listening to about 20 hours of secret recordings of Corona, talking to former assistant sheriff Don Heidel. The jurors' name, eh, blah, who cares about that? Jurors' names are secret, but some of them gave up their names. Uh, Corona's attorneys uh, had argued that the government's case was overreaching and that there, were, there was no cost to Orange County taxpayers. Whip B. The jury's foreman, a retired engineer who identified, identified himself as Serge, agreed. He said, quote, some of us felt that the sheriff never cheated us of anything. Well, you know, if he's willing to go out and on company time have sex with his mistress at her F-pad, uh, if he's willing to, on company business, have sex with a secretary in uh, the back seat of a car, uh, a car that was presumably driven by other deputies because he had a protection detail, uh, if he was willing to engage in, uh, he used his office, he used his office to benefit himself. So, uh, I've got word now that uh, Scott Moxley is going to be here in just a second, so I'm going to turn up the music, and uh, you're going to hear music for a little bit. Don't go away, because I'm going to get our Scott Moxley on the phone right now. Just hang tight real quick. All right, through the miracle of technology, I have on the phone with me now our Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly. Scott, how are you today? Doing great. How are you doing, Cameron? I am doing excellent. We are on the air now. Uh, Scott, you were at the trial for the entire duration. Uh, you sat there and watched it day in and day out. Uh, you did great reporting on it during the trial. Uh, a lot of it was repeat uh, for you because you had already written about most of what was brought up in the trial, which is kind of funny in and of itself. And so uh, we had the... Um, jury come out today and read the verdicts. Tell the listeners what that was like in the courtroom. Well, I mean, obviously all of us journalists were looking right at Mike Corona, and um, I can tell you that he was was incredibly nervous uh, beforehand, uh, as you would imagine, someone facing six felonies. And um, and as, as the not guilty verdicts were read off in succession, he uh, became more and more emotional to the point of, of uh, really um, crying and uh, throwing his head back. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it was, it, you could tell it was incredible relief for him, so much so that when the last guilty, when, the, when, the, when the, on the last count there was a, vi- uh, a, a guilty verdict, 
Um, he didn't really react to that. He, he was so uh, elated, apparently, by uh, um, not getting convicted on the other counts that uh, it, it really didn't register a, uh, uh, a negative there about being found guilty on that. And I think his press conference uh, afterwards showed uh, a pretty much delusional state by crediting um, and uh, calling uh, uh, reporters reprehensible. Uh, certainly after all the things that we've known about, about him, what we've learned in addition in the trial, uh, and it's uh, really a piece of work uh, to, uh, to go out and kind of celebrate with the former top... And that would be the miracle of radio. Uh, he's on the road right now, and he is uh, traveling from one point to the other. And I knew that this was going to be a problem, but that's okay, because the guy's got to get back to the office to write his stories. But hang on a second. I'm going to bring the music right back up, and we are going to uh, try this one more time. So, uh, you know, cell phones, the, 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 the scourge of humanity. We'll be right back. Okay, now I'm awesome. And uh, Scott, are you there? I'm there. Yeah. Okay, good. We're okay. going to try again. So we went out to the he went out to the press conference. All the press and media are there. And what did he say? He went out. He, he credited God. Uh, he, he credited God for saving him uh, through the jury. And uh, he mentioned sensationalism and uh, reprehensible conduct. And he, I assuming he was referring to the media, um, which is incredibly ironic given uh, everything that we learned about him in the trial. And that his own defense uh, that his own defense lawyers uh, conceded he was he's a liar um, he, he he took money he didn't report it um, you know I, I don't know his his uh, fan group uh, one of them was tap dancing actually tap dancing on the tenth floor hallway outside of the courtroom and think about that for a second it's very fitting in a Mike Corona setting to have this this bit of irony here's a guy who was the top cop convicted of a felony. Um, trying to uh, uh, disrupt a federal grand jury investigation, uh, who faces potentially 15, 22 months in prison, perhaps, um, and they're tap dancing out there. Now, I get that they're elated that they didn't get convictions on all the other counts. The, really, the people who should be elated in the, in the county are the citizens of Orange County for a couple of reasons. One, um, he's no longer the sheriff, and he doesn't have that, uh, that power any longer, power that he obviously wasn't able to handle. Two, we had federal agents here that deserve an amazing amount of applause from the public that they had the willingness to take on the most powerful politician in Orange County and do their job because it was the right thing to do. And they did so. And I'm sure they're not happy with, uh, with not winning on every single count. But the third part is what came out in the trial. The, the book is closed on whether this guy was a, a, a good sheriff or not, and he wasn't. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm talking to R. Scott Moxley. He's an investigative reporter over at the OC Weekly. He's been covering Mike Corona and his shenanigans for the last 10 years. He's just uh, talking to us now about the Corona verdict and how things played out here at the end. Scott, um, were you able to talk to Brett Sagal or uh, uh, Kenneth Julian about their feelings on the case? I, I, I spoke briefly with Brett, and uh, I'm not at liberty. It was a background conversation that was right out. It, today's been extremely hectic. Uh, we got the announcement, and none of us thought uh, it was very close to lunchtime. We, we were assuming it was going to be a three-day weekend. And then since then, it's just been a whirlwind. And uh, um, I, I know they're disappointed, uh, and, and, and I can tell you they, they, they really 
worked hard on it. And um, it's kind of ironic. For, from my perspective, and which is always apparently going to be a minority perspective, it, it's just ironic to me that they should be very proud of the work that they did and, and for doing the right thing. And they got a conviction, and, and the man who is disgraced is uh, celebrating. I mean, there's probably going to be uh, some sort of celebration at his house or somewhere at the sheriff's house tonight, um, which is kind of fitting given, you know, the, you know the, the personality he has. I mean, who, who would celebrate winning uh, or getting a, a, a conviction? Well, it seems to me that he was even amazed. He said, if you don't believe in miracles, one happened today. Uh, it seems to me that he was even surprised that he didn't get convicted. Uh, his defense lawyers were, were surprised. You should have seen their faces. Uh, they quickly recovered as if it was a given. But uh, I, I can tell you that they, they, uh, they were surprised as well. What do you think uh, now, going forward, what do you think this means overall for Orange County politics? How do you think the Republican Party is going to spin this into a positive for them? Well, I'm sure all the people that went into the woodwork after he was arrested by the FBI and the IRS, uh, they'll, they'll resurface and they'll start explaining, uh, um, you know, how he's a great guy again and, and that he was a victim. Um, I've already heard a little bit about that. The, the truth is anyone who has sat through the trial, um, you can't feel good about uh, anything that came out about him. I'm serious. There was no, there, all of the revelations about him that came out in the trial were despicable. What about I mean, I'm talking about who, who, what kind of a sheriff gives an, a man who is not trained in, with any police uh, training uh, makes him an assistant sheriff with full police powers in the state of California. What, well, did, yeah. did you get a chance to talk to the jury and, and poll them and see what was in their mindset? I mean, because to me, it's like if you're going to convict him of tampering with a witness, well, then you're then how can you not convict him of the conspiracy? Well, it, it, as they were, it, 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 it's really interesting. Uh, and one of the reasons I think that the uh, that the, the absurdity of him celebrating today is that, um, you know, many of the jurors um, openly stated they thought he was a crook. They thought he took the money. They're, they claimed that their issue was with the jury instructions and with the issue of, uh, of the statute of limitations. When, when did he take the money and how much and that sort of thing. They also had issues with uh, the government's chief witness, other than Corona himself, on the case, Don Heidel. Um, and uh, some of them just thought that he had some inconsistencies. Uh, so um, I would, in reality, um, Mike Corona um, acting as if he, you know, God blessed him today with something, I, he's just full of because the jury told him uh, after the thing, he went up to one of the jurors, and, 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 and I think he asked to hug her, and she said no. And she explained, I think you're guilty. Really? There's nothing for you to be happy about. And I, and I, uh, yeah. And, and so, um, uh, I mean, there were a couple of jurors that I think were Alice in Wonderland, like uh, his support group. But um, from mu much of the stuff that I heard, uh, they got it. I mean, you got you to gotta, you gotta remember the tapes were very powerful. They weren't, he wasn't, you know, outright saying, particular things, but what he was saying on the tapes were so strong. For example, why would he tell his co-conspirator unless 
you photocopied the serial numbers on the cash you gave me, there was never any cash. Exactly. That wasn't lost on them, I hope. I mean, you'd have to be a moron for that to be lost on you. Uh, well, so, that, that's my yeah. issue, though. I just don't understand how they could come up with he was tampering with a witness. Well, what was he tampering with the witness for? Because he was guilty. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you. My, my, you know, I haven't had time to really sit and reflect. My initial reaction is this. Uh, 14-year history of Orange County Weekly. I've been covering uh, courts and crimes and politics. I have never once in this entire period of time found an Orange County jury uh, convict a, a police officer of anything. Zero. Not one time. And um, as you know, I told you in advance, I didn't think they'd do it. They were going to give him every benefit of the doubt uh, because of that uniform that he had. And um, I think they did. I think they looked for ways... Uh, I mean, quite frankly, it, under, under my rationale, it's amazing they convicted him. This is the first time I've heard of it. He's got a felony conviction. The former top cop trying to interfere and block a federal grand jury investigation. And um, as much as he tap dances and, and celebrates tonight, he's facing, um, you know, he's facing some jail time. And if the judge in this case, who I, I respect and I think he's, a, I think he's an excellent judge, um, I think if the, uh, if the judge is, is going to send a, an important signal here um, about a man in that position abusing his, his public trust, just even on that one count, he's got to, uh, he's got to come down firm. Do you, think, do you think he'll get some time out of this? Because what is he looking at? He's looking at, what, probation up to 10 years? Well, I mean, if you want to look at the, it, 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 yeah, he's looking at probation up to 10 years, but I, I think, you know, with the federal government, uh, the Department of Justice has guidelines about certain things, and um, my understanding is um, on this conviction, he, he faces potentially 12, 15, 22 months in prison. Well, that wouldn't be bad. That would be nice. That would be something for us out there. I'm thinking about uh, starting a support group for the people who feel bad that he didn't get convicted on all counts. Uh, are you willing? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I... I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I it's, you know, for for a reporter covering, it's hard to kind of weigh in and say anything like that. I mean, I, I really would say, in terms of, for the people who are upset about uh, that wanted, you know, across the, the board convictions and stuff, um, you have to put this in the context of Orange County. Uh, it, it's a miracle, really, uh, that they convicted the guy of anything. Do you do you think that they're going to continue forward with uh, Debbie Corona now and Deborah Hoffman? I do. You do. I do. I, I think. I think that. Uh, um, I think certainly Hoffman, uh, the mistress, because uh, um, you know the the evidence that came in at the trial was pretty tough on her. Uh, you know, she was taking money uh, left and right from. Uh, from Don Heidel, uh, uh, the assistant sheriff, uh, and not disclosing it as she filed bankruptcy. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's interesting because the, um, if you even look at just that one, that one area, what, what man um, pays for another man's mistress uh, to the tune of over uh, $300,000? Did the jury five thousand in in direct cash and then and then other money that went through a law firm? Did the jury uh, bring? Did the jurors bring that up about uh, Deborah Hoffman being severed from the trial halfway through? Did anybody ask a question about that? It, how that affected know, them? It was 
after after the when the jurors came out, it was it was it kind of like hell broke loose because you know there was multiple jurors and then the prosecutors were speaking and, and, and I you know and many of the jurors didn't want to speak to the media. Um, you could tell they had you know they you know they were trying to slip out of the building as fast as they could. Um, so I don't I don't know what everybody heard in terms of uh, other journalists what what they were told. I I do know in, in sharing notes I just did KOCE uh, Rick Reese show with Frank McAdite. And Frank was describing some of the interviews that he did with jurors that I didn't hear. And, um, you know, it, 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 the stories he was telling me was that the jurors thought that Mike Corona uh, was a scumbag. Well, very, very powerful stuff. Um, now, are you going to be writing about this tonight? Well, we, we, we posted uh, as it happened. Um, I relayed information back to the office and, and the next week's cover story out on Thursday. Uh, I will be addressing uh, the case. Outstanding. If you're just joining us, I am talking with uh, R. Scott Moxley. He's the investigative journalist, um, the investigative journalist, in my opinion, of Orange County. He works for the OC Weekly. Scott, I really want to thank you for coming on the show today and talking uh, to us about this uh, this really historical moment in Orange County. Um, you, you really did uh, do your part in this. I think if anybody looks back now and... and reads your articles going back to 1998 to present uh, the trial really followed your articles and and we really do need to right. give you a round of applause as well uh scott for all the hard work well, that i appreciate you did. that so i appreciate that i i i, I, I in, you know there were folks out there like you uh weighing in on this stuff and and uh i really sincerely uh, i i think that you know uh, i i want to point out that, that federal agents in the in the department of justice uh attorneys i still think did a, a great job and and quite frankly, Jeff Rawitz from Jones Day, the defense lawyer, uh, in, the key one in my in my view, um, he really did a, a good job. He, he, all the things that he had, was telling me on on background about his the way he thought he could manipulate this jury, he, it came true. And do you think uh, we'll ever find out who paid for Corona's uh, uh, defense? Well, now you know what I'm working on next. Oh, awesome. Outstanding. Well, Scott, uh, thanks. I know you're busy. I know you've got to get writing. Um, I do appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks, Cameron. Thank you. R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Very, very happy that he came on. Sorry about all the technical stuff uh, back there. But, hey, uh, when you're a one-man show like me, uh, your greatness only extends so far. Technology sometimes trumps that. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back from the break, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Mike Corona, uh, and maybe we'll move on from that. There's some other things to talk about here in Orange County. Uh, so, uh, y- you know, Mike Corona is only good for so long. But... Um, This is The O.C. Show. I am Cameron Jackson, your faithful host. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and we will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to The O.C. Show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Just remember, the opinions and views expressed in the OC show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. And just remember, folks, I am your Superman, baby.
That's right, folks. Coming back to you live right here on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Of course, as I just said, you are listening to the OC Show with Cameron Jackson, the greatest radio show in all of Orange County. And uh, I am here telling you the truth about what really happens uh, in Orange County with our political scene here, the cesspool that it is. Uh, The cesspool has been increased today on the official up and up. Mike Corona, as you know, was convicted of one count. One count of tampering with a witness. He was acquitted on five others. We just had uh, Scott Moxley on, our Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly, uh, talking to us about the uh, jury verdict today and how that all panned out. If you want to listen to the show once you get out of your car, if you're listening now, you can go to KUCI.org. Uh, click in the upper right-hand corner for streaming audio. Also, if you want to check out my blog whenever you can, go to theocshow.net. You can see upcoming guests, uh, listen to former past shows. In fact, I will podcast this show later on today so you can listen to Scott Moxley talk about the jury verdict. Uh, thank you again to Scott for coming on the show. That was really nice of him. Um, you see what kind of a powerhouse I am now, baby. Anyway, uh, so let's move on from Corona. So what? Corona got convicted. Uh, we'll see in the days and weeks ahead how that pans out with people, um, If uh, how the Republican Party here, especially Mike Schroeder and Scott Baugh and Fat Probolsky, how they all uh, wrap that up and make it a nice little package and, and propagandize it uh, in a really uh, Joseph Goebbels kind of way and, and spin this into a positive somehow. But we do not want to lose sight of the fact for all those people who are mourning uh, the non-conviction on all counts of Mike Corona. Uh, He was found uh, guilty on one felony count, which means, as Scott Moxley just said, he's looking at from zero probation up to 10 years. And uh, the judge in this case may send a signal out to others that you are not going to engage in that kind of activity, and he may get some time for this. So uh, time will tell, of course. He is a convicted felon now. He can't vote. He can't carry guns. Uh, he's been told by the judge he cannot leave the Central District area of California. Uh, the geographic zone, uh, which is somewhere around here in the central California area, he can't leave that. He can't go to a bus station. Like I said earlier, I don't know who the hell goes to a bus station anymore. So uh, the man is, is in lockdown, uh, but feeling very, very good uh, about himself anyway. And uh, again, Corona didn't believe it himself. He says uh, a miracle happened today. If you don't believe in God, you should believe in God now. So uh, even Corona did not believe that he was going to get acquitted on those. So. He knew he was guilty. A uh, couple stories now. Let's switch gears. We're going to still talk a little bit of law enforcement here just because it's relevant to Orange County. Um, and another uh, law enforcement official getting acquitted uh, in another case. Uh, but these two cases I followed uh, many years ago when they came up. One of them was uh, Kirk four years ago. Uh, this was when I did my old show, the OC, uh, the OC Variety Hour. And uh, one that I talked about uh, last year, I believe. Uh, very interesting case, both of them. The first one, the one that happened four years ago, was a federal agent, a Homeland Security officer, who left his house one night uh, because he heard noises outside. Um, basically, I'll read from the Orange County Register uh, story here. Uh, he was off duty on February 5th, 2005. This is... Uh, uh, Bates is the last guy's name. Uh, let's see what his first name is for you. Uh, I'll get to it in a second. And um, ah, Douglas William Bates. Sorry about that. And uh, D- uh, Douglas William Bates went outside his house uh, in Mission Viejo in his pajamas with his badge and his gun to investigate loud noises. He thought somebody had been injured out there, apparently. Uh, when he gets out there, he is challenged by uh, a group of guys. 
Um, one of them happens to be uh, a guy by the name of Chamati, uh, or Chamate. And uh, Chamate, uh, apparently they get into it somehow, and uh, the deputy, or the not the deputy, but the um, uh, law enforcement agent, uh, hits him with the butt of a gun, and uh, the gun goes off, and Chamate loses his life. He dies. Uh, when this first came out, I really questioned the actions of the agent because uh, being former law enforcement myself, uh, look, you got no business going outside of your house with your gun and badge and pajamas on investigating loud noises. Uh, just look out your window, see what it is, and call the police. That's that's it, hands down, bottom line. And I think that this guy went outside with a little bit too much bravado, uh, and I think he thought it was a little bit all that in a bag of chips. And uh, he got into a very, very, very hostile situation that turned very sour very quickly. And initially, he was charged by the Orange County District Attorney's Office with uh, involuntary or voluntary manslaughter. And uh, they bumped that up to murder. And so he was looking at murder. Uh, he went to uh, and did a bench trial. And if you don't know what that is, you can have a jury trial or a bench trial. And a bench trial is basically where it's just you, the judge, and the prosecutor. And he had a bench trial, and the judge found him not guilty. So he is a free man. Uh, he lost his job, but apparently now that he's a free man, he can potentially get his job back. Uh, but the lesson in this, of course, is uh, if you are an off-duty law enforcement officer, don't get into fights with people and shoot them on accident. That's not a good idea, especially you know if it's just a loud group of people. I mean, that's just pure idiocy on that officer's part to go out there that night. It's, it's like... Uh, off-duty 101, don't go outside and investigate loud noises uh, around your house with your gun, badge, and pajamas on. You just don't do it. You call the cops. Let them come in and do it. Let them be the ones to shoot the guy. Uh, you put yourself in a, in a harmful situation, and bad things happen. So a completely preventable death, in my opinion. And I'm sure he's going to get sued if he hasn't already been sued, uh, or the department will get sued. Somebody's going to get sued in this. We all know that those things occur. The other one that I want to talk about, too, another officer who was involved in another off-duty incident. These off-duty incidents really fascinate me because it's interesting to see what officers do. Uh, you know, when, when I was a cop, uh, you just stayed. One of the things that we said as a department down at San Diego PD is don't, don't get involved. It's not worth it because the department was going to screw you over. The citizens will screw you over. Everybody's out to screw you over. Uh, so uh, just don't even get involved. It's not worth it. This guy, though, actually, uh, and most of the times when officers get stuff off duty, a lot of times it is their fault. They're, 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 they forget they're not wearing the uniform and they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. This one, though, was a clear-cut case where the officer didn't do anything wrong. And uh, because of that, he's, he's actually been vindicated, and thankfully so. Uh, this happened out in Riverside in Temecula. A Costa Mesa officer, he, he was uh, off-duty with his family at a festival out there. And uh, he apparently was, uh, well, I'll just read it for you because it's a very interesting story. Um, the officer was Scott Dibble from the Costa Mesa Police Department. He is a nine-year veteran of that department. Uh, back in March 8th of uh, 2008, someone came up behind Dibble, uh, and, who was sitting in a lawn chair outside a eatery, and struck him with a metal chair before. Oh, man, I'm just getting way ahead of myself on this. I'm not even going to read it. I'll just tell you what I know. Uh, essentially, he's out there. The officer is out there with his family, and he's in this restaurant. And he thinks that a woman next to him is the friend of 
his uh, is the wife of his friend. So he, he gives this woman a pat on the butt, which I don't know why he was giving his friend's wife a pat on the butt, but hey, stranger things have happened, I guess. So he gives this woman a pat on the butt, and it turns out not to be his friend's wife. It turns out to be another guy's wife. Well, the guy, and the perfect name for this guy, uh, it was a, the, the woman was in a group with a guy whose name was Villain perfect name for this guy. Villain is a uh, parolee uh, convicted criminal in the past. And so uh, once he did that, he uh, he told him he was sorry. He was very, very, very apologetic about, Dibble was very apologetic for doing this. Well, uh, an argument ensued and was broken up by the restaurant staff. Uh, both sides backed off and Dibble went outside to get some air because he didn't feel well, probably because he almost got his ass kicked. Um, then that's when he was attacked from behind by Villain. Apparently, Villain came up with a metal chair and hit him, and the others began punching him. Well, he identified himself as a police officer as he pulled his gun out. He did identified himself several times, apparently, and finally was forced to shoot these guys because they did not stop. He fired five shots, killing Villain. And Villain I love that name. Killing Villain and injuring uh, Taylor Willis. Um, so... The, there were several people there that confirmed that Villain was clearly the aggressor in this case. Uh, Dibble actually suffered gashes to his head and mouth when he was hit with the chair, and he needed stables to close the wounds. Um, Schultz, uh, which is a representative from uh, Riverside PD, said they interviewed more than 20 people um, and basically said these people, you know, that they followed up. They said, yes, what the officer did was fine. He was he was protecting himself. So one of the few cases where the officer off-duty actually did the right thing, uh, he walked away from the incident, which was a smart thing to do, and then he was attacked from behind. Hey, you know what? All bets are off, baby. When you bring a knife to a gunfight or when you bring a chair to a gunfight, you're going to have to expect to lose. So that is a perfect case where the officer didn't do anything wrong. And so... Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that, that no charges were filed against that officer. The, uh, on the other hand, this, this federal agent here who decided to go out and uh, break up the party outside and wound up, you know, pistol whipping and shooting a guy and killing him, a different story. Uh, I think clearly the DA did the right thing in that case. And, you know, I'm former law enforcement, too. And that might not be popular with people in law enforcement to hear that one of their own would, would, would prosecute. But, hey, if you go out and you put yourself into harm's way, and you're not doing your job out there of being a good witness when you're off duty and keeping your big fat mug out of, out of other people's business when you're off duty, then, you know, you have to expect you're going to get in some, some, some trouble every now and then. Uh, let's see, what, 549? You know, I, I'm going to go over, there was another one that I sent out on my blast to people that I do want to talk about, and it's totally non-Orange County related now. And I'll touch on, on one story I came across. Ooh, this was a good one, too. Just real quick. Did, did you get the, the, this one? And I can't really comment on because there's nothing really to comment on. But what a wild story. So uh, this was back on Monday. Uh, a robbery suspect slashes his throat after a chase. i got to tell you about this one. I just found this one to be fascinating. You don't hear about this often. Uh, a man suspected of committing a bank robbery in Anaheim, this is from the OCD Register, uh, cut his throat with a box cutter after police stopped him in Irvine. The robbery occurred uh, Monday at the Washington Mutual on North Euclid in Anaheim. A short time later, an undercover officer noticed a car on the southbound I-5 at Harbor Boulevard that matched the description of the suspect's vehicle. And if you look at the car, it's like a total standout car. It's one of these slammed... Um, uh, 
was going to say something, but I won't. Uh, you know, sports cars that these uh, guys like to uh, put all the graphics and all the big fins on the back and things like that, things that I don't care about anymore because I'm too old for it, I guess. Anyway, uh, a vehicle, a white sports car with no front bumper. It was being driven by an Asian man in his 20s. See why I didn't say what I said? Uh, the undercover officer followed the vehicle that travels at speeds, uh, who traveled at speeds of 45 to 90 miles an hour. Police caught up to him at the Culver Drive off-ramp uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, the guy got out of his car and was bleeding. He said the man cut his throat with a box cutter. The red box cutter, a wallet, and cell phone were on the pavement near the man's car. Uh, he underwent surgery for his ni- uh, life, non-life-threatening injuries. That's great. So a little Harry Carey there at the end of the police pursuit. I guess he felt bad about what he had done, or maybe, ah, who knows. There's another story, though, that I want to get to probably next week. It's called the Audit Blast, the Avocado Group. Apparently, an Irvine-based California Avocado Commission spent wildly and with few controls, dropping nearly $2 million on questionable credit card purchases and booze-soaked hotel stays, tickets to pro uh, sporting events, and expensive remodeling of an executive home. Oh, that's hot. This is ripe for corruption. I love it. We'll get into that next week because uh, I don't have enough background on that one yet. But this one, you know, I love to talk about how... Everybody thinks that the Messiah, Obama, is going to uh, change the way things are done in Washington and and reverse all of these things that Bush uh, put into place, like the wireless warrant taps, uh, wiretaps, and the Gitmo. He's going to close Gitmo down, and he's going to he's going to bring the presidency back down to solid ground and make it make it something that's more uh, I don't know uh, nice. Bush made it evil and mean, and now he's going to make it something nice. And one of the things that Bush was criticized for. Uh, was not talking enough to the press. You should have, the last press conference he had this week, all they could talk about was that it was the, it was the, the big thing for them, for the media, was that he, the last one he gave was in July. So it had been what, over six months since his last press conference. And Bush was one for not giving a lot of press conferences. When he did hold his press conferences, they were always last minute. The reporters had to scramble to figure out what questions they wanted to ask. He never gave them a lot of time. They didn't spend a lot of time talking to the people in the media because I think the Bush administration felt, and I think rightly so, that in this day and age, the media just doesn't matter as much. They think they matter, but they really don't. That might be proved wrong uh, when history looks back on this. We'll see. But. Uh, funny that Obama is starting to walk down the path of George Bush. Look at this. Journalists being shut out by Obama. What? The Messiah? Pushing out journalists? According to a Sun-Times columnist a long time, and a longtime Chicago journalist, Carol Marin, journalists at Barack Obama news conferences have come to realize that Obama has pre-picked those journalists whom he will allow to ask him questions at the conference, and many of them now quote, don't even bother raising their hands to be called upon. Very interesting. So if he does talk to the media, he's going to have pre-planted people in there that he knows are going to only ask the nice questions. One wonders why journalists are even allowing this corralling of the press. Would they have allowed George Bush, George W. Bush, to pre-pick journalists that like that? Would they meekly sit by and allow themselves to be systematically ignored, their freedom to ask questions silenced by any Republican? Would journalists so eagerly vie with one another for the favor of Bush like they are of Obama? She's fascinating, fascinating stuff. For her part, it seems that Carol Martin is starting to wonder at the bizarro world that is being invented by a 
compliant and smitten Obama-loving press corps. This is going to be one of the biggest challenges of the next eight years with Obama. I say eight years because I think he's going to get reelected with overwhelming popularity uh, come the next four years. That's just my prediction now. I know it's a little early for that. Anything can happen. But, hey, uh, white guilt will stick. Trust me. Uh, don't want to be the one that made him not a uh, two-term president. Anyway, um, you know, if we want to see our press get delegitimized any further, this is it perfectly here. If they're going to give him a free pass because he's the first black president and they love him so much that they're willing to let themselves be corralled by him, then we are in for the doldrums. We really are. We are just going to get our asses handed to us the next eight years. No, if they're not going to ask any of the hard questions, if they're just going to go along with everything the man says, I mean, normally they give presidents 100 days, right? They give them the 100-day grace period. I think this guy's going to have a four- to eight-year grace period. Now, unless something goes completely awry and he just cannot keep it together, then potentially they'll turn on him. I think that when he starts enacting things that they don't like, they may turn. I mean, he's already rumbling that he's, he's Gitmo down there in the um, uh, Cuba. Uh, the Camp X-Ray, that's going to be put on the back burner, I think. They're going to try and find a way to figure that one out. But it's not going to happen as quickly as he says it is. And Iraq, he ain't going to pull out of Iraq anytime soon. Uh, this man, he's not going to end wireless uh, warrant um, uh, excuse me, warrantless wiretaps. He's not going to limit those. He's not going to take away any of the powers of the president. None of the powers that the President Bush gave him or acquired during his eight years is Obama going to give up. That's not how power works. So all the people out there who think that the Messiah is going to come in and he's going to make things all grand and beautiful and wonderful again and everybody's going to speak so rosily and nice to everybody, they're wrong. He's not going to change anything. In fact, at this point, it doesn't sound like, I mean, it sounds like Chicago politics to me. He's going to direct who can say what, when, and the press is going to go along with that. And they wonder why the public doesn't trust them. These are all questions we got to ask ourselves over the next year. I mean, it's great. I think it's wonderful that Obama got elected. First African-American president. That's awesome. That says so much about our nation. No matter what you people who hate America out there think, the rest of the world and the majority of Americans who love this country look at that and say, my gosh, if they can elect a black man to the president of the United States, America truly is a place where the streets are paved with gold. Now, you might not feel like that way because you think that Bush is the scourge of humanity and that he ruined it for everyone else. But the rest of the world looks at that and they think that is pretty damn amazing. They look at that and they say, we want to be more like America. What can we do to become more like America? How can we be Americans? We should be very proud of ourselves that this is happening. I am. I think it's wonderful. I didn't vote for him, but I think it's wonderful nonetheless. I wish him the best of luck. I hope that this works. I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid of what I hear. I'm a little afraid that socialism is really starting to creep into this country. I'm a little afraid that these run in 30-year cycles, which means that by the time it gets better again, I'm going to be in my 60s. And what does that mean for me? I don't want to become dependent on the state for my, my general health and welfare. I want to be dependent on myself. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, you know... I'll keep up on, this, on these media issues, which you know fascinates me to no end. 
How is the media going to play out with him? Are they going to give him a free pass? Is Obama going to be the first president that can do or say whatever he wants, and they'll just be like, all right, no problem, whatever you say, boss. If that happens, we're going to see some problems because we cannot have that. We've got to have a press corps that's engaged, that does not care what the person says or what they look like or what color they are. The press corps has got to do their job. Hands down, bottom line. So, once again, if you're just joining us and you live under a rock, Mike Corona was convicted of one count of witness tampering. He's a convicted felon now. I am happy. I, I think that we've moved forward and we've done a good thing. Um, my props to Scott Moxley for coming on the show earlier. My props to uh, Brett Sagel and Ken Julian and the federal agents who did their job. You know, without them, uh, this county would be even more of a cesspool. And uh, it's been brought back to a little bit of balance. Uh, nobody in the Republican Party should be proud of this place right now. Uh, I'm not. But, hey, we still got the OC show. With me, Cameron Jackson, right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, the greatest radio show and radio station in all of Orange County. Next week, we will do it all over again, baby. It's going to be awesome. I tell you what, folks, 2009 is already looking up with the conviction of Mike Corona. Gotta love it, baby. Gotta love it. I will see you all next week. Uh, Coming up next, of course, on the show, on the station, rather, let's see what we got for you. Disco for your health, baby, with Jeremy. Sounds good. I listened to him last week when I left. It was awesome stuff. I'll see you all next week. Goodbye.